Hi, everybody. It's Joey Remini here from seekingbalance.com.au. Welcome to my podcast on neuroplasticity, brain health, and well-being. Today, I'm really excited to be talking with Jess Higgins-Anderson. So welcome to the call, Jess. Thank you. And Jess is a music therapist. And as most of you know, I am a passionate musician myself. I run a community street band. I'm a fiddle player, mandolin, ukulele, guitar, you name it. I'm, you know, I'm very comfortable in the music realm. And so I can certainly speak from my personal experience, the therapeutic value of music for me. Mm. Um, And for me, in, in particular songwriting, like I know there's been times in my life when I have been at rock bottom. And to be able to document that or process that through songwriting and expressing myself to like an audience of none, you know, it's, it's a process I'm doing for myself. It's been really helpful. So I thought it'd be great to explore the power of music and, you know, learn about music therapy, which I don't personally know all that much about, and to talk about how it can fit into healing and well-being. So Would you like to share how you stumbled across music therapy, Jess, and and just, yeah, we'll begin the conversation there. Sure. Well, stumble's a great word because I was, um, I began my journey as a classical violinist. So I was doing my undergrad in Tassie um, and I was on the road to being an orchestral musician and I had my heart set on it and practicing for six hours a day and, you know, it was completely that was what I was going to do. And then I just sort of got to this point where it just felt really one-sided and I was sick of playing for just myself and rich old audiences in, (laughs) and it didn't really feel like it had any other applications that I could see for some people that's, you know, there's lots of ways of viewing it. Um, And so I got to the end of my degree and was sort of questioning what I wanted to do and I've always been really interested in psychology and working with people um, and so I was just doing what I feel like lots of uni students are doing at the end of their degrees and spending a lot of time searching what can I do with my life on the internet and just stumbled across this thing called music therapy um, and I'd sort of heard about you know various you know, obviously personal stories of you know, music healing, all that sort of stuff. And part of my mind had always been a bit sceptical about it. Part mm-hmm. of my mind has always been like, oh, that's amazing. I want to find out more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then discovered that Melbourne Uni has a master's in this. And so I just applied and thought, oh, well, you know, what can I lose? Um, and managed to get in before even really knowing what it was that I was applying for. Um, and yeah, then spent the next two years studying this thing called music therapy. Um, so, and realizing how broad a profession it is. So yeah. for example, I now in my clinical practice work predominantly with children with disabilities mm-hmm. as well as adults with mental health issues or, and also adults with disabilities too. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas my husband is also a music therapist. We actually met while we were training um, and he works mostly in aged care and a little bit of adult disability too. So there's a huge spectrum. There's music therapists in hospitals. There's music therapists in private practice like we are. There's music mm-hmm. therapists um, in, in forensic settings, in Amazing. child. Yeah, it's just, there's, think, of a, think of a setting and music therapy could fit. It's, I suppose, because musicians are quite creative people, the jobs that they forge for themselves 
mm-hmm. are often a kind of creative way of creating a job. And so if I have a go at explaining what I see music therapy as, and then you oh. can embellish on that or completely yeah. correct me if I'm sure. like head in yep. the clouds. Yep. So when I think of therapy, I think we're experiencing a feeling or a sensation that could be we don't like it so it's not like we're happy and we're relaxed and in those situations we don't really need therapy we're like yay i'm winning life is good and so when we're going through difficult transitions in life or we're lost or we're confused or we're anxious or we've got dread we're waking up in the morning and we've got that dark cloud of depression yeah that's when a type of therapy can come in to help us better understand what we're feeling and so different people are going to approach different therapies some people might use sport and use that as a way of really getting them out of bed and helping to learn about themselves and do self-development some people might see psychologists some people might um, ignore it some people might do a meditation retreat And I suppose one of the options out there is you could work with a music therapist Mm -hmm. to help understand your emotions and help feel through your body in a different way and create a a more loving relationship to yourself and what you're experiencing Mm -hmm. using music as a therapeutic modality for that. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So that's on a more mental health kind of end of the spectrum Mm -hmm. that music therapists would work on. That's absolutely what it would be about is, um, you know, delving into certain emotional states. And and I loved that you brought up songwriting early on because that's something I do a lot of with clients. So mm-hmm. we will, you know, because for, for a lot of people, the idea of writing a song is completely terrifying and mm-hmm. they've never, 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 you know, thought that that would be a possibility. Yeah. Um, and so that's a really beautiful way for a lot of people to have someone alongside them to sort of break it down and to be able to discuss it because the things that come out when you're writing a song with somebody, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you're trying to condense so much into just a line. And so there might be an hour of conversation about what this line of the chorus means and how your story has got you here and what that means for your future and how, how you want to express that in the musical aspects and not just the lyrics. And, you know, there's so much that can be therapeutic aspects within that. Yeah. And I've just gone on a <laughs> tangent, but um, what was your original question? Sorry. Uh, what was I? No, we were just talking about therapy. And as you were yeah. speaking yeah. then, I remember, so if I come back to kind of my personal experience and my relationship to music, yeah. um, for, for me, I mean, I love creating music. I love listening to music. Yeah. And it really does put me in, in a different headspace. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes if I was to try and explain what I was going through in, in straightforward sentences, I would feel blocked. I'd be like, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to explain what I'm feeling. I'm stuck. Yeah. Then if I was to sit down with an instrument and create a melody line or hum or sing mm-hmm. or be more poetic about it. So it's like taking it away from me as the protagonist and suddenly the song yeah. develops its own entity. It makes it much easier for me to relate to and communicate what I'm feeling. That's right. Yeah. And sometimes let's say I'm really angry at someone or something or some system and then I write a song about my anger. It's like Mm -hmm. I feel so much better Mm, even though I haven't directly spoken to the system or or spoken to them. I've had a way of in my own bedroom processing processing the difficult emotions that are blocking me or contracting me or like making me not be the person I want to be. So it's like I've got to do something about that feeling. And so 
that expression of music and lyrics and melody mm. comes quite naturally to me. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. What about people who have no musical experience? They might yeah. like the radio, yeah. but they're like, oh my God. So how would, and yeah. children, some children yeah. might have no training. So how does, yeah. talk me through that. I'm curious. How does it work? Absolutely. Most of the people that I work with are more on that end. So, you know, have never done this, are often quite terrified, have been told in the past that, oh, you're not musical, don't do that, or that sort of thing. And a lot of people have such huge blocks, which is a personal, just such sadness for me that we're in a society we're often told that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for one of the things that music therapists are sort of trained in is helping people to, to get past those barriers that I personally believe that human beings are intrinsically musical mm-hmm. and that we are born with the capacity to create sounds and enjoy music and enjoy creating different timbres and rhythms and textures and blah, blah, blah. Um, And so even if you don't have any formal training, you don't understand any of the theory, none of that actually matters to your enjoyment and your capacity to engage with that in some level. And sometimes I'm with the most profoundly disabled people who, you know, holding a mallet in their hand, we work on that for months in order for them to have the right grasp. We won't have to alter things. So then from that perspective, it looks a little bit more like an OT maybe or a in terms of like I'm, I'm altering um, instruments so that I'm, I'm um, enabling them. Exactly, exactly. Um, whereas, yeah, so in terms of helping people to see, see their own musical sides and break down the, the process of it. So going back to songwriting, taking away some of the like we in our society it's a good and bad thing but we kind of idolize musicians but you know pop musicians in particular and so mm-hmm. you know people have this preconception of oh i you know writing a number one hit must be take such talent and it obviously does but that there are you know formulas and ways that you can do it so something that i often do with clients is um a technique called lyric substitution so we might start mm-hmm. with a really familiar song and just change the lyrics which sounds yeah. really simple but it can be a really profound way of having your own voice in there which again Mm -hmm. someone who is either struggling with a mental health condition or is non-verbal for example and so we might use other means of communicating you know even if it's just they have a yes or no response and I'm suggesting things and this person is having their voice heard but you know potentially the first time that's hugely yeah. empowering of we're writing yeah. this song together and do you want this aspect or this aspect and they yeah. use and it's like do you want it quiet and delicate here or do you want it loud and big that's right do you want it to sound like a happy note or like a sad note so a yeah. major or a minor exactly exactly and I wanted to um also mention I don't really have much theoretical training so I run a street band and and when (laughs) they said to me Joey we want you to run this community music Victoria project it's about building connections in the community it's about mental health and um, using music as a way of getting people to connect at a very low cost yeah so I do it as a volunteering position and I've used it as a way of saying like I don't consider myself a musician because I have no training and I can't really read notes and I don't really understand timing signatures. But they said to me, like, why don't you run this? Because, you know, you're you're good at 
working with groups. You're a great facilitator. You've got leadership skills and you can actually play music. So I play by ear, which means I hear it and I can copy it. Yep. And consequently, my own skills have built. By saying yes to that, um, and it's really interesting how probably not many people in our whole street band read music. A few people will. Yeah. People find their own ways. So they'll have their own little code or their way of yep. jigging their memory or using their iPhone. And yep. um, so if I'm able to run a street band with almost zero musical training, mm-hmm. I really it really makes me realise how universal music is. Like you don't yeah. – it, it, humans just – they copy, they imitate, they – Yep. That whole echoing thing, like a child does, a toddler. Yep. And yep. so I did this very experimentally as a way of kind of challenging my own belief system and my own fears. I was like, all right, can I do this? Yep. And the worst things that happen is someone else takes over. But it's been really fun. Yeah. And, yep. um, and, I, and I've noticed just the more I play music, the more my skills build. And this is where the neuroplasticity component comes in is Definitely. if I believe I'm not a musician and therefore I don't, pick up my instruments and I don't play as yep. in truly play. Yeah. My neurons are not being fired. That's right. Yeah. And the more I sit back and say, you know what? I just, I feel like tinkering. I feel like pottering. I feel like playing. Yeah. I'm actually opening up a whole different part of my brain mm-hmm. and the left and the right hemispheres of our brain are most able to communicate freely when we're relaxed and playing. Yes. And there's a corpus callosum element in the middle of our brain, which is like a super highway that connects information mm-hmm. from left to right and up and down the body. And that is most able to carry information effectively when we're playing, when we're having fun. Yeah. So there's no and gold medal. The element of so often uh, when we're playing instruments that it's a whole body, both, both yes. right, left sides. So we're, you know, there's lots of the crossover. There's lots of using your analytical part of the brain as mm-hmm. well as the expressive side. And so, as you're saying, there's just, the, you know, the whole brain, the MRIs and, and brain mm-hmm. scans that you see of, of both trained and non-trained people playing and engaging in music. It's like a party going on in the brain. There's just firing everywhere. Um, so they say it's like a whole body workout. So if you go to the gym and you want to do a really rounded gym pr- um, practice for your abs and your legs and your arms and all of that yeah. essentially for your brain a whole brain workout is when you are playing an instrument and engaging in playing music yeah. so it's different to listening to a cd and listening to yep. music which is also an aspect of music therapy i imagine yep. so the yep. the receiving part yep but there's when you're actually playing and exploring and using your body and being creative and saying no i want it louder or i want yep. it quicker i want it slower you're actually challenging new parts of your brain to to come out of the woodwork or come out of the quiet places of your and and I feel this can be really empowering to a huge part of healing let me backtrack a bit a huge part of healing is being seen and is being heard and is being witnessed yeah and so in my clients with vertigo and tinnitus they often have this invisible condition they look amazing yeah they're feeling really scared or anxious or frightened or disconnected or disembodied That's and no right. one else can understand that or feel it. It's completely internal. Yes. And it's different neural processes and pathways that are having error signals creating yeah. the dizziness or the tinnitus. Mm. So these guys are having to learn how to honor what they're feeling and validate it to shift away from this. Am I crazy? What's wrong with me? Mm. And I've had quite a few clients who have used music to help them ease back into what they're feeling and process what they're feeling. And it's 
quite interesting how organically it comes up in terms of people will be saying, I've got this really sad song list that I just love. They're like, you know, am I a sad person? Yeah. And I'd love to hear your perspective on this, but in clinic I said, you know, it could be that that song list is bringing up an emotion in you which might be grief or sadness that you're actually really ready to process. So when you hear that music, it's enabling you to feel it so your brain can reset it and it's not like trapped in the back unprocessed. So, yeah, do you want to speak a little bit about different forms of using music to help us yeah, feel? Yeah, so that's it's such an important thing because so often we – are consumers of music there's just music all around as you go to the supermarket and you just mm. buy stuff or you just you know you're on spotify and you just click whatever is the latest thing um and so so much of what music therapists are also trained in doing is helping people understand exactly what you're talking about how they're using music and be really mindful about that mm. so we do you know most of us have our go-tos of if you're feeling really angry <laughs> you'll have that playlist or you'll have that album or song or whatever that's just like rah i've got to get it out um, yeah. and then you know the, the the go-tos for when you just need to chill out and that sort of thing but often it's hard to put that into words or hard to remember in the moment like i still find this of you know I'm, i've had a hard day and i just go oh you know and i listen to the wrong thing and it feels there's that disjoint and you, it doesn't match and there's this incongruence with your feelings and what you're hearing. Yeah, um, and that's another way of reminding people you have an inner world and whatever yeah. you're feeling is invisible to everybody else but it's very rich and very real for you. Right. Yeah. And the music's in the outer world so there's an incongruence between the outer world vibration, mm-hmm. music, mood yeah. and your inner world and that yeah. conflict can feel distancing or lonely. And yeah. so how do you close that gap and bring belonging and connection in your inner and outer world? It's, it's about bringing awareness and acceptance. So saying this is, so, and also a vocabulary too. So mm-hmm. whilst, um, you know, it doesn't, we don't have to find words for things necessarily in music therapy, but I do find that it can be really useful to have mm. some kind of vocabulary and awareness of where you are and where mm-hmm. you want to be. Mm-hmm. And in music therapy, we have a thing called the ISO principle, which is talking about, it's a gradient. So you might start a playlist, for example, in this really revved up, you know, I'm angry or I'm just really dysregulated or whatever it is, however you want to call that. And I, my ideal of where I want to end up is feeling really peaceful and just, you know, calm and, and that sort of space. Mm-hmm. But if I just go from that to that, instantly that's going to feel like you know a slap in the face there's going to be no transition and so helping people identify what it is between that point and that point in their bodies that Mm -hmm. changes you know Mm -hmm. where is the energy shifts how do i how do i replicate that in music so if it if we're going from really fast beat down to a, a, a slower tempo you know that's a pretty obvious one of slowly choosing some pieces of music that that have a, you know, we're graduating downwards. Mm. But it might be other elements for some people, you know, for me personally, harmony is a huge part. So if I, um, I like really rich harmonies and and complex timbres and and textures. And so my sort of ISO principle might go from this more simple sort of 
musical structure into something quite complex and that feels really full and rich and connected mm. and all that sort of thing so that might for me personally that's what really works is thinking of that journey mm. but so again it's about helping people understand what it is that they're using music to help them feel and whether it's a whether you need catharsis at that moment, whether you do just need to rage and put on, you know, that metal band and smash your, you know, <laughs> around for a while and, and, you know, release that energy. Or if it's about reminiscence, that's a huge thing that we listen to music for. Are we connecting to a past memory or a past person that showed us this music? Mm-hmm. And if so, is that useful? Is that, a, you know, is, as you're saying, is it like your clients? Is that something that where our bodies are telling us I'm ready for this I need to explore this further or are we stuck there because we can also use music to ruminate yeah teenagers are a classic example of this we'll hold on to that album and we'll listen to it for weeks and months and years (laughs) and we'll get so stuck in that headspace and we can't move out of that so Mm. some work that I do with people too is is helping people see is that useful to keep going back to that album? You know, you keep, you know, it's becoming like a drug for you. You're, you're addicted to that, what that music's doing for you. And can we shift that? Can we find mm. a, a way out of that? So there's a fine line here that I want to clarify because I actually get yes. this, this comment or email through to me a lot with clients. So it's healthy to feel whatever you're feeling. So for everybody out here listening, I want you to know that if you're feeling grief or anger or sadness and you yeah. connect in with music and that feels like a really beautiful connection for you to feel through, yeah. that can be a healthy part of you processing the emotion so you can shift into the next emotion, which might be relief or yeah. calm or intimacy and connection or joy. So a lot of people say, but, you know, I don't want to focus on my sad things because then I'm focusing, sa- then I'm like, feeding sad neural connections and I'm building sadness and that's where you fall into rumination. So when we're overly invested in the grief or the sadness or the anxiety and we're, we're kind of staying there and we're throwing more wood on that fire, we are firing more neurons over and over and over again and we're creating a repeated cycle. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. That's where Jess is saying, bring the awareness of what am I listening to now and why do I want to feel this? Because sometimes yeah. I remember one day I had this amazing sad moment. Mm. Um, I think I was in my early 30s and I was going home to my childhood place and all these memories were coming up of like a dog that died and, you know, yeah. and I had this amazing relief of grief and sadness mm. probably passed within, let's say, three hours. Yeah. But really deep and it was really profound and it was like, I was grieving all the sad moments that I hadn't been able to process in my childhood Yeah, because I didn't know how to do it back then. And so I went through this moment of just being really healthily connected to my grief and my sadness. And once I'd finished and cried my tears and moved on, I felt lighter. I felt taller. I felt more connected. So I want people out there just to explore when am I ruminating and when am I feeding the stuff I don't want so I'm actually buying into my fear yeah when am I actually feeling in order to heal Mm. I'm connecting I'm surrendering I'm accepting and I'm processing Mm. in order to move closer to my desired feelings yeah and really common ones are feeling steady feeling confident feeling capable calm peaceful happy Mm -hmm. um freedom so yep. everyone listening to the call, I want you to think, what am I feeling in my body? So what is there to process? 
And, you know, make yourself a playlist. Start to listen to emotions that you feel are really ready for you in this moment and enable yourself to listen to them. Like let yourself use music to connect with what you're going through and feeling. All rage welcome. It's all good, right? Then I want you to think, (laughs) okay, what do I want to feel? If I'm aiming for, for calmness, do I need some harp music? Do I... Do I want to look at some classical symphonies? Do I want to explore some old Joni Mitchell or Carole King and some soulful stuff from, you know, decades before? So think about what you want to feel and start to think about a playlist that maybe represents that, that can just get you into that zone of knowing where you're heading and getting your brain to engage with those feelings. So you're kind of honouring both. Some of it's the hard stuff you need to feel through to heal and the other stuff's reminding you of where you're heading and how you're, you're on a journey. As, as um, Jess said, you may need a therap- therapist to support you to get from A to B because in the middle you're yep. a bit lost. Yeah. And I suppose that's what I see my role as, that I'm, mm. I'm not a guide. I'm not a telling somebody how, how their healing journey should look. It's, it's more of a partnership. It's mm. here, let me mirror back to you what I'm seeing. And in those moments of stuckness, mm. how we work together to, for me to bring my learning and wisdom and experience, mm. as well as not knowing and my own, you know, fears and insecurities and humanity to, to this encounter. And together we can kind of you know, unravel that a little bit more and see, see where you're at with that. And Um, share the journey. That's right. Because it's it's that human connection that is the most key thing for me, that music is incredible, but I still see it as just a tool. You know, it's the encounter with another that Mm. is the truly healing element for me. Anyway, it depends, you know, there's some people who lean more towards the, the music is the healing, um, but for me, it's, it's the both together in tandem. Yeah. And I think it's really important to remind ourselves that some people go through recovery and healing in a very prescriptive way. It's like, do this, repeat it yep. three times, yeah. come, come back to me in a month and we'll review. And there's this old fashioned prescriptive, I'm the expert, I'll tell you what to do. And yep. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Integrative medicine, which is what I do. And I think it might be what Jess, you do as well is where the therapist and the client are equal partners. Nobody's an expert. And together you're actually navigating evidence-based processes to move you in the direction you want to go. So it's a patient-centered care where there's equal partnership and it's okay to not know things. It's like okay to sit in the unknown. Mm. And in fact, sometimes that's where the richest and most profound healing moments occur is when we go into that place and we sit there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was something else I wanted to touch base on. You mentioned for yourself, you might go from really like simple melodies and then you might build up into a much more rich textured multiple mm-hmm. harmonies and um, t- timbres, I think you said. Is that the right? Mm, yeah. Did I say Different that right? Forms. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of timbre is kind of um, the different sounds that instruments make. So the, the richness of rather than just having the one kind of sound. So like, like a bassoon and tax, saxophone and clarinet yep. versus, okay. Just a single instrument, yeah. And what that helped me to see is, you know, often we need to learn how to feel and our feeling literacy is often quite 
limited and poor because throughout schooling, God bless all of our teachers and parents, but we are kind of told to be a good little girl or a good little boy and do this and fit this box and don't cry and don't make a fuss and be strong and get over it and apologize and do this and say that. And so we're very much told how society wants us to be and that can numb our capacity to feel. And so, and then again, if you're medicated on top of that, there's an added layer of numbing. Yep. And so what I'm hearing is that when we go on this journey and we use something like music, mm-hmm. we're able to actually go from feeling, let's say we've got a little tiny piece of joy and it just sounds like one note on a piano repeating over and over again. Mm-hmm. And as we stay with that joy and we start to really explore it and feel it at a deeper level, we might get new harmonies and we might get new notes and we might get new instruments and we might get new textures. And it's like, the neural firing of our body can start with one simple little joy pulse and mm-hmm. it's actually moving into symphonies of joy pulses, which is enabling us to feel more. Yeah. Now, yep. That is so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And so like orgasmic, mm. but it's really tough when we're feeling into grief and it's actually the same process. So yeah. we can have this tiny little grief thing that's like, oh, don't want that. Oh, don't want that. Yep. And in order to heal it, we kind of have to let the grief symphony process through our body through our neurons through our feeling centers in order for it to move on to the next thing so i hope that kind of helps everyone understand a little bit more about the the science of healing because you know it is all packaged in neural pathways in various centers of our brain and also in our body you know 100 percent of my clients have neck and shoulder tension from yeah um their vertigo and tinnitus it's really common to hold it in your body sure but it's safe to feel it and you may want to explore different avenues of feeling it and if you're curious about music and you're thinking this would give me a new language and this would give me a new way to process it maybe find somebody like jess who might be in your local area you can reach out to jess at jigmusictherapy.com.au and i highly recommend you to support yourself to go from whatever you're feeling now toward what you want to feel and that journey between a and b is often the biggest gift you will ever give yourself and that's really the process that my rocksteady and beautiful balance clients are going through as they learn to listen to and tune into their tinnitus and their dizziness or vertigo sensations and they're learning how to go from the pain to the desired place and and supporting themselves through that learning which ultimately is the healing Mm. so Jess have you got any closing words or even like a brief case study of somebody who started here and ended there just to get Mm. just to maybe wrap up the chat sure I've I was trying to think I have so many (laughs) pretty amazing stories Um, and because I work with such a broad range of people too it's sort of hard to to find the right story but one of the um very special little boy that I've worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, he was three when I first started working with him. It's completely nonverbal. He had um, a mitochondrial disorder and a few other. There was oh, I'm trying to remember his diagnosis now. There was a whole range of really complex a genetic condition. Genetic condition, um, and he. 
uh, when I first started working with him, he would be in the opposite side of the room, just full of trauma and terror in his body. You could just mm-hmm. see that he was so disconnected from his body. Um, and I worked with him for nearly two years, actually. Mm-hmm. And over that time, we developed this really beautiful playfulness and trust. Um, and he would start to copy me, which, as you alluded to earlier in this interview, that, um, you know, that mirroring is something that children in typically development um, just happens magically, miraculously. And so often in developmental disorders, that isn't present. And so that's something that that I work on a lot is is helping children to um, um, mirror and copy, which incidentally is also something I do with adults too because often we lose that capacity when we're um, numb. and and so yes, over this over the twelve months, we we started having these moments of joy where we would crash together on the drums and we would <laughs> copy each other with huge body movements, um, and start to put some melody and words to that. Mm. And very very gradually, he he started to copy me, and his mum would be in the corner with like tears in her eyes because she'd never heard her little boy vocalize at all wow. and eventually start to use words and then really? next year start to use multiple words to the point that I when I finished working with him he was singing whole lines of his favorite songs that's and miraculous it was amazing and and then from there he's you know now he goes to a mainstream kinder and really wow you know integrated much more in his family his family have learned his own ways of communicating with him they Mm -hmm. use music now as part of their routine to shift him away from you know tricky times in his routine during the day Mm. you know challenging behaviors using music to calm him it's just become Mm -hmm. such a huge part of their life now as a whole family which has been really beautiful to watch um so I just want to I just want to recap that for those of you who don't understand all of the terms. So nonverbal means someone is not really using vocalization or talking in words. Mm. And that this this beautiful young 3-year-old went through a process of learning how to make sounds, how to use his body, how to mirror other humans, how to create relationships to the world in the outer world, mm. and also how to navigate the feelings in his inner world and Jess was supporting that process through the process of music therapy and the result of that was that that child that beautiful young boy learned how to access new neurons that enabled his his vocalizations to occur and to create words and to sing Mm -hmm. and to get enough skills to actually join mainstream kinder and the research suggests that the more we can keep Mm -hmm. children in mainstream schooling the better their outcomes yeah so that's a really huge result because who knows how that child will develop yeah. over the next 10 and 20 years. Right. Yeah. Th- and it's a really critical, I'm probably getting a bit geeky now, but it's really <laughs> critical that we access language mm. what, you know, as young as possible because I think that by the time we're seven, we've developed our language centres and if they've been neglected and not used, mm. it's very unlikely we can grow them as an adult. Yeah. So some of the core foundations of our brain of how we interact with the world and how we use our body and use our ears and use our senses. Mm. We really need to develop those under the age of seven, if not, you know, closer to two. Mm. And so that child's going to have a lot more opportunities 
yeah under the age of seven getting that work done mm. would be very different if he was 10 11 or 12 yep so sure. it's, it's really amazing mm. what, yeah. a, what an inspiration so thank you so much for your time it's my pleasure Good yeah absolutely music is such a gift and i love the fact that anyone can play with music you know yeah definitely don't need to be talented in the in the yep. community music world we say don't let lyrics timing music tempo intonation key like don't let any of that get in the way of you having a go and having fun so yep. it's like all noise making welcome <laughs> <laughs> and there's no right or wrong so you know true play means yep making noise or even sitting in silence is part of the performance that's right yep yeah wow so thanks again if you want to get in touch with jess it's jigmusictherapy.com.au and if you would like support with your healing journey and neuroplasticity for tinnitus dizziness and vertigo visit seekingbalance.com.au there are loads of free resources to get you started as well as further support programs like rocksteady and beautiful balance to help you go deeper into your journey of getting from a to b so there's a lot of healing resources out there and i wish you all the best thanks again to jess Pleasure. Thank you. And bye for now.